It's the Empowerment Perspective Podcast, hosted by Demiso Josie and Mr. Kareem Spence. Stay empowered. Stay empowered. All right, welcome to yet another episode of the Empowerment Perspective Podcast. I go by the name of Dr. Demiso A. Josie alongside... Spence is here. Kareem, you there? Uh, Kareem is there. We're doing something a little different for everybody. Yeah, I hear you, man. I told you you got to pay that internet bill and you come across a little cleaner over there, but it's all right. Um, Due to the current situation that we're dealing with, obviously, globally, we're going to try something different um, and do some um, podcasting in a different platform. So you're going to see our ugly faces on here a little bit more, and um, hopefully uh, we won't get too disgusted by it, but we have some good information for you, like always. This is season four. This is episode two of season four. Um, Kareem, man, how are you holding up right now, given the, given the situation that's going on? Man, life is hard, man. I ain't gonna lie. Like, they closed down the barbershops. They closed down the gym. Man, it feels like I'm in solitary confinement. I can't handle company. Life is hard. <laughs> no barber, man. What are you doing? You, you got that butter knife out, out the kitchen. You shaving and stuff. Nah, I got like 90 hats and I'm going to wear, so I have one on the day. So I'm going to keep wearing hats. I'm going to cover this bald head until I can actually make it to the barber. I was smart enough to make it to the barber last week. All right, so you got that one last final cut in, and hopefully it'll last you the, the eight weeks that we're going to be locked down. Man, it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough. Rough sledding. Yeah. I'm going to be online looking at YouTube how to cut my own hair. <laughs> It'll be like that scene from Malcolm X. Shorty is burning. Shorty is burning. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That is funny. Um, so this is our fourth season. I'm working on the Empowerment Perspective podcast. Um, so the first episode I actually did it without you because I couldn't figure out how to do this um, uh, go-to meeting or whatever the thing is that we're on. But I did talk to Laura, and she spoke about um, the adoption process. She talked about... Um, that whole entire process in the foster care system. Um, just as a basic recap to that, we're talking over 135,000 um, babies get adopted in America each year. So the work that she's doing out there is really, really um, helpful. She has two adopted children now, along with her two other children. Um, so we're gonna have a part two of that when she tells the story of the, her second adoption. But, um, and I spoke about um, how our Christmas party, um, we donate the CHOP, um, again, I uh, always will like that because um, we we donate the toys and, and money and proceeds to directly to CHOP, specifically the pediatric ward. Um, and just so that those kids can have a sense of uh, feeling loved and, and be able to enjoy the, those holiday seasons. And her story pretty much touched on that um, to a key, so, uh, to a T. So uh, thank Laura for that. We'll definitely be having her back on the show for sure. Um, but like always, we hit our network, we go out and we try to um, find people who have interesting stories and who are doing some interesting things out there. Um, but before I get to that guest, I do have to ask Kareem, you know, you're in education from a counseling standpoint, given everything that's going on right now, what are some tips and things that I guess parents could um, use if their children are struggling with anxiety right now? They really just need just to really to relax, like because this is a frustrating and a different time. Like we've never, ever, at least in my generation, never had to experience anything like this. Um, I know years ago we had what we called the Black Plague, but for our generation, we've been in a bubble for so long, and across the nation, we've never had so many people affected at one time with this massive scale. Mm -hmm. So for parents, they just need to relax and 
just like when any uh, any other student that has difficulty, they just really just need to give them frequent breaks, as many breaks as possible. So yeah. we can even use it as we're in the gym. Like you can go, you know, 15, 20 minutes on, two, three minutes, five, 10 minutes, take a break, then you go back on because this this is difficult. Like online learning is not is not for everybody. Mm. Um, I did it you know, twice and got my master's degrees in online learning only because I couldn't sit in the classroom no more. But this this is not something that anybody can just jump into, especially when they're young, because you have to be disciplined. You have to be able to sit there and get the assignments done. Right. And, so and to the parents out there, also still understand that the schools are still available for for you in terms mm -hmm. of resources. Um, the guidance counselors are definitely standing by. So if you're struggling, uh, please reach out to somebody. I don't care if it's us. If you want to email us, mm -hmm. we'll definitely um, help you out as best we possibly can with your, you know, the situation with your children. So uh, we're all in this together. Uh, but use your resources that are still available to you. Mm -hmm. um, there, are of, there are tons of resources. So, I mean, even uh, for my school, you know, we had families utilize calm.com just to be able to give that sense of, of peace and inner peace. Um, if parents, if you're freaking out, then guess what? Your kids are going to freak out and then they're not going to get any work done. That's true. That is true. But I do want to get to our guests. We always like to have guests here on our Empowerment Perspective podcast. And uh, we've been saying it for a long time. Like we're not afraid to reach out to people um, that have information and good information for you and good stories. So um, I did some digging in LinkedIn. Um, as usual, it's probably our number one networking tool, and I've just been reaching out since I have nothing else better to do but to actually work in the house. So <laughs> I went and I uh, reached out, and I found um, this lady who's doing some wonderful things out in the Midwest um, within the prison system. She's also coming out with her book that we're going to get into, but um, I definitely wanted to thank her for um, agreeing to be a, a part of this because, um, like, Many of our guests, they don't know us from Adam, but um, they have a story to tell and some information to get out there, and we want to get it to our audience. So, Beth Deacon, welcome to the Empowerment Perspective Podcast. How are you? Very, I'm doing very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for agreeing to be on and putting up with us for the next couple of minutes. Um, we can I'm be excited to do so. <laughs> awesome. You guys seem like a lot of fun. <laughs> That's what we try to do, educate and have fun at the same time. Um, so I want to get into what you do. Um, you're an educator right now out in the Midwest. I believe you're in Iowa right now. But I want to talk specifically as to um, I believe you have 25 plus years in education. So I want to get into why you decided to get an education in the first place. Like we're big at our, on our why here at the Empowerment Respective Group. Um, mm -hmm. Why did you decide to get into education in the first place? There's always that one teacher, that one teacher that makes a difference in your lives. And that's exactly what happened to me. My high school math teacher, Mr. Adolf Passant, just incredible teacher, believed in all of his students, worked after hours with his students, took time for every student. And I love that about him. And he took extra time with me. He, he found something special in me. He, he showed me that math is beautiful. And I say that to everybody nowadays, math is just beautiful, it's everywhere. And I learned that from him. Hmm. When I was teaching, it came pretty easy, or when I was in high school, math came pretty easy to me. And he made me a tutor, which allowed me to work with other of my classmates hmm. and other kids, people that were struggling with math. Hmm. And to watch someone struggle and to be able to help them and see them succeed, What's better than that? Mm. And I did that for a couple of years while I was in high school and I had such a love for math that that's the path I decided to take. 
but it was because of Mr. Passant, he believed in me. Right. He I pushed hear, me. I hear part of what you're saying is more so the, the relationship that he established with you as teacher and student. Yes, how, absolutely. Relationships when it comes to education, how important is it for teachers to be able to establish a, a relationship and a rapport with, with their students? You know, a lot of people ask me, how can you teach math? That's one of the toughest subjects to teach. I think teaching math is the easiest part of my job. When the fences come down, that's when teaching be begins. Hmm. So my goal in school, when I when the school year starts, it's always so important to get me get my students to the point where they're coming in the classroom and they're not looking at that clock. Hmm. They're staying after class to ask extra questions. They're asking questions in class. They're coming in class with a smile on their face. Having that rapport with kids is extremely important. Because if you don't have that rapport with them, many of them are not going to work. Because in their eyes, they're working for you. Got you. But this so, is so Beth, may I ask a quick question? Yep. Uh, so Beth, how did you get them to, to trust you? Because a lot of times, you know, we have sort of like a gap between, you know, it's parents, students, and, and teachers. And it's always the teacher against the student. How, how did you be able to break down that wall for trust? Well, first of all, when you walk in my classroom, there's always music playing. And the kids and I sing together. You know, it's little things like that. When I'm teaching class, if I see a kid that seems a little down, I'll go sit by that uh -huh. student and teach from, from the desk next to that student and try to give that student a little more attention. I compliment my kids in class. When we make mistakes, to me, that's awesome because we learn from those mm -hmm. mistakes. And I let, I thank kids when they make a mistake in class. It's all about making them feel comfortable. I'm there and the, you know, we okay. stand out in the halls the teachers do and we talk to kids when they come by and it's not always just about what's going on in class. Many of my kids enjoy coming in and saying, hey, Mrs. Deacon, guess what I did last night? You build that rapport so they wanna to talk to you and you treat them mm -hmm. with respect. You earn their respect like they earn yours. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I think that's a parenting tip, too. I think we sometimes as parents, um, we had to tune the line, obviously, being a parent and being, you know, quote unquote, their friend. But at the end of the day, we have to learn about our children. It's the same way, you know, teachers do. And, you know, asking those questions of our kids of, you know, not only, you know, finding out the things that they're into and making a connection on a deeper level uh, with them. Um, is important as well as, 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 you know, in parenting. So those are some tools that, you know, parents obviously could, could also follow as well. I want to get into your experience. Um, you said you taught at the Maximum State um, Security Prison, correct? Yes. All let right. me, let good. You can go ahead. Okay. The reason I got into that, when I was teaching back in Michigan, I just moved to Iowa in 2014. Before that, I was a high school math teacher for approximately 25 years. And my last two years teaching in Michigan, my supervisor came up to me and he said, you know, Beth, we need somebody in the community to help with adult math. I never thought anything of it. I said, sure, you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Maybe I can help somebody out. So in the evenings, four days a week from 3.30 to 6 o'clock, I went over to the adult education building and I worked with adults that needed help with math. And I'm gonna tell you the biggest lesson I learned. I learned that kids go to school because they have to, they're told they have to. Adults go to school because they've experienced life and they know what it's like not to have a degree, mm -hmm. not to have a diploma. 
So when I started working with adults, many of them came from the jail to, to school. Many of them had, didn't have jobs. They were just trying to better themselves. Many of them were in their 60s, 70 years old, just now deciding that they want to get an education. Some were just looking to learn how to read. But the big thing that I picked on really quickly is the fact that they truly, truly appreciated the help. They were there because they truly wanted to get that education. At first it was tough. At first it was like teaching in high school because we, like, like I said, you have to get that rapport with kids. When you start out a new school year, kids don't talk as much. They don't answer as many questions. They don't ask as many questions. You gotta build that rapport with them. That was the same with the adults. It was just as scary for them to come in on that first day and be in a math class with me when they probably hadn't done math in 20 years. So the rapport was very important, but I just really, really appreciated how much they respected my, me being there to help them and how much they wanted that help, how much they really wanted to change their lives. So for my last two years in Michigan, I did that. And in doing so, when we decided to move to Iowa, I, I started thinking, you know, maybe I should take a few years off from working with kids and help some more adults. So I looked into different places and I found a community college that was hiring a teacher for the maximum security prison. And I thought, you know, I'm going to do this. I think it'll be great. It'll be a great experience, different students. I know I can help these men and I'm going to do it. So that's what got me to apply for the job in the first place. Yeah, I'm going to stop you right there. Uh, me and Kareem, we talk about this all the time. Again, we talk about the why, because we believe that the why changes your behavior. So is it safe to say, and Kareem, you can talk about this too, the difference in, I guess, the response of those adult students versus our traditional students is that the why is completely different. Kareem, would you agree mm -hmm. with something like that? I, I definitely will agree. And um, what Beth actually talked on is actually having some skin in the game. So when you actually have a why that's driving your purpose as to why you actually need to pay attention in math, why you need social studies, why you need science, all that's going to connect you to your ultimate goal or your purpose that you have or whatever you're trying to achieve. So for the, the young men that she's actually helping and assisting, they may want to be able to get their high school diploma coming from the state of Iowa. They may just want to be able to set the bar in their house to say that, you know what, son or daughter, I actually have my high school diploma. So they're, they're actually setting the stage for a legacy, a legacy of not even giving up, not saying that, you know, it's ever too late. You can always go back and we're in a continuous state of learning. This is how we grow. Mm -hmm. You know, I talk, I talk about the ripple effect in my book, and that's exactly what you're describing. Johnny, you have to read the book. I already know what's in the book. I didn't have to read it. So I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's too funny. Um, I can pinpoint exactly the moment where things changed for me from an education from a student standpoint. And it, to me, I always had a why, um, but also the connections. And I think education is starting to move out of teaching in those, those silos, you know, where math isn't really connected to science and science and social like everything was disconnected. Um, I went to an engineering camp at Rutgers University in my 11th grade uh, year, and I would take it was during the summertime and I would take these uh, math classes. And at first it was all disconnected until at the end we had to do this big culminating project. Um, but then I realized that, hey, I needed that particular class to be able to build this part or I would need that history to figure out why these things. I started to see the connections between all the classes. And I think as educators, one of the biggest things that we can do for our students outside of developing that why is also 
building connections of you know the different classes so that it doesn't seem like it's disconnected. Um, I think that's a huge piece uh, to any educational puzzle as well. You know, one of the big projects I started doing in my class is data analysis. Hmm. And even though we're not going to be able to finish it this year, we worked with Drake University and we competed in a competition where we had to develop algorithms to name the top 10 teams for March Madness. So that algorithm was what we used to name team number one, two, and so on. And what I loved about that is you don't have to be a brilliant math person to do this. The average kid, the average person could do this. And I think it's a great confidence builder for kids that struggle in math. And I have a lot of students that struggle in math. But I remember taking these kids to Drake University where we had a like an after get together and they had a panel there of data analysis people. And they talked about the different jobs they did with data analysis. And some of it is just collecting the data, not necessarily doing the math. And it opens so many of my kids' minds. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many kids have come to me and said they want to do this again. It's just getting that excitement, getting them excited about something. Hmm. I Last year, I also did a case stats project at my school where the kids went to the basketball game and they took stats on the team, on, on the games. And then we brought those stats back and they presented to the school board and to the coach. And they, they made suggestions on what they thought could be done better or, you know, what was going on that was great. Mm -hmm. But it was real life to them, and they really took an interest in it. I think a lot of times we're in this, in this education field, and the only thing we you know have at the forefront is state testing or standardized testing, or um, we, we have the, the, the common core. We're, we're not even being able to connect like practical concepts to students anymore. Everything is all about the curriculum and, and it's all about standardized tests. And we're, we're losing them because we're not able to close that gaps of, of what their why is and why this is important. And even how these standardized tests are even gonna help them and benefit them long-term. A lot of times they don't even understand that these standardized tests, when you score high enough, will open up certain doors for you. Doors that yeah. you can't imagine that are open because people that actually see these test scores you've never met before. And they make recommendations. They they will reach out to the schools and say, "Hey, you have a we have a school that student that scored in that level five. I need to have a conversation with them. This is this is awesome. So we just need to become just a little bit more practical of being able to talk to them and and where they at. So that will actually help students be able to connect what we're doing every day to their why. You you know, and when I first came to the school I'm at now, where I'm teaching now, I, I heard over and over again that I may not want to do that because teaching at the prison was probably easier. And that intrigued me. It made me want to go to the school. But when I got there, I just sat back and watched for the first couple months. This is my third year at the school, and I sat and just watched. We have an incredible progressive administration. The teaching staff is so tight always willing to help, a lot of fun. The students, extremely respectful. I remember sitting down at Thanksgiving and telling the kids before we went on break how thankful I was for them to take me in because I moved from 10 hours away to an area where I knew absolutely nobody and this community took me in. But then I asked them, I said, you know, I sit back and watch you guys in class and you do so well. You answer questions, you get it. Why, when it comes to standardized tests, are your scores so low? 
And they said they didn't see the importance in it. So I looked at them and I, you know, we talked about, you know, their kids are going to come to school here someday. And, you know, we want to, we want to show off our community, community. We want to be proud of what we do. So I told the kids, I said, you show me, you look me in the face and tell me you did the best you can on that test. And I'm going to try to do something special for you. So our staff got together and we got 50 tickets to the Ed Sheeran concert. And kids that improved on the test, their names are put in a hat. And those kids, the first 50 names that were picked, those kids went to the concert. What I, I loved about that is when it came to testing, kids were encouraging their friends. You got to do well on this. You know, maybe we'll get to go to the concert. You know, for many of the kids in my area, it's more of a financially depressed area. So they never get a chance to get out. So that was huge to them. There was a huge difference in our scores. Do I think that's the only reason? No. But sometimes kids need that extra. They need to feel valued. They need to see that they're doing it, I guess, for another reason. Mm. And I didn't want them to feel that, you know, you have to have an incentive to do well. But sometimes does it hurt to do that? This past year, um, we brought in Mr. Eddie Luisi from Good Morning America and Mr. Terrence Gordon and... Um, Devin Smith, and they they got up and spoke to our class about what they do. And Mr. Gordon and Mr. Smith actually put together a video for our school, which talked about the kids' passions. So they had a bunch of kids come on film and talk about what they're passionate about. These kids were so excited about that, to have somebody that cared that much about them. I have kids already asking me, are we going to have an incentive? incentive again this year and of course we're working on things but we're not going to have testing now this year okay. but you know what maybe right now is that's what they need but they're going to look back and be proud of how they're doing also mm. and they're going to look back because i keep telling them you know it's great to have incentives in that but you need to be you need to work for yourself and i'm hoping in the future when they look back at this they're going to say the incentive was pretty cool but was what was cooler is i did my best I don't think anything's wrong with the incentive, especially if it opens up experiences and new possibilities for students. Um, just think about how many kids never been to a concert. Um, and exactly. From that opportunity. At my school, we do a March Madness reading uh, challenge where every class is like the you know NCAA tournament. You're going against each class and you get points for X amount of books, books that you read. And at the end, we get uh, last year we got the tour of the Philadelphia Eagles Stadium, the link. Um, but those kids were reading in the hallways. They were reading at home. Like they, those kids probably read more books in that month than they probably had in a lifetime. But the satisfying part for me was those kids who never been to a football game got to experience going into that stadium and seeing the behind the scenes and all that stuff and got an experience that some of their parents may have never gotten an experience. They see it on TV, but it became real to them. Um, so, you know, Incentives to me isn't a bad thing as long as it opens up possibilities, um, you know, an educational possibility. Exactly. Yes. I want to go back to uh, your experience with the maximum uh, security prison. Um, I want to know, and I tell ask teachers all this time, like, what was your first day like in the classroom? What was your first day like going into that experience? Well, when I went in, I went in with 
with the understanding. One thing, one thing a lot of people have asked me, I wanted, I wanted to look at this differently. When I first first started teaching there, everybody kept asking me, are you crazy? You're, you're standing in front of murderers and rapists and gang leaders and that. What are you thinking? And my answer to that every time was no, I'm not. I'm standing in front of my students. Hmm. And when I went in that first day, I was not scared. I was there to do a job. I was there to be a teacher and I was there to help people move forward. I wasn't there to look at what the men did because that was done and over with. They're serving their time for that. I was there to help them see their potential and move forward. And that was my mindset on my first day. It was just like if I were to walk into a regular classroom, what am I going to tell these men? What are these going to, I'm going to tell these students so they get to know a little bit about me and why I'm truly there. So it was it was a normal day for me. Now, Kareem, you had a similar experience from a counseling angle. Uh, they, I remember you telling the story. They just locked the door, and you were in there uh, with with some of the inmates. Can you explain that experience a little bit? So, again, when when I go in and you know doing like I don't even call it motivational speeches or just being able just to connect with students, um, you know, my my first day, it was like. I wasn't prepared. I didn't have anything. I was just there to observe. And my mentor, Dr. King, he's like, okay, well, what do you have to say? And I'm like, what do you mean? You didn't tell me to become prepared. No, if you're going to be here, you're going to be helping people, then you always should have something to say, something to pour in, even be able to plant seeds for people. So what do you have to say? So, I mean, I, I got up, did the best that I could. And again, I, I was raw. This is going back maybe 13, 14 years ago. Um, and I really just poured into them. And what I saw in them was the potential. That's what I saw. And that's all I ever see when I see a kid. I don't see what they did yesterday. I don't see what they did last year. All I see was what's in front of me. So in order for me to be able to help someone move forward, I have to see a possibility of them actually moving forward. If I'm going to hold everybody to a standard of what they did yesterday, man, that would be a rough life for me because all the stuff that I did, people <laughs> won't ever forgive me of. So I think that having that, that sense of forgiveness and the reality that we're working with children, like they're on a path and they're learning how to not to make the same mistake twice. Mm. But again, when that door shuts and you're there and everybody's looking at you and all eyes are on you, you got to have something to say and you have to offer them something. So even when we're talking about incentive based, if you want to change someone's behavior, you have to give them something in order to replace that behavior. So mm. what you guys are giving them is actually experience that they can take and have for a whole entire lifetime. So now they can take that one experience of actually visiting a concert and saying, you know what? I think that I want to go and and I, he, he, the guy can say that, you know what, or the girl can say, you know what, I think now I actually seen what the Philadelphia Eagles Stadium looks like. I think I actually want to go work for him. Or a matter of fact, I want to be an owner. So now we're, we're actually planting seeds for them to become better than what they were the day before. Right. And I go back to parenting again, and, and I try to do this with my own kids, is to expose them to as much stuff as I possibly can. I mean, mm -hmm. and, you know, let the, and try to figure out what they're interested in. So even if it's from an athletic standpoint, play as many sports as you possibly can. Pick up an instrument. Like, and I just try to expose them to as much stuff as I possibly can. Um, you never know what they're going to, uh, you know, pick up and, and grasp. Um, I do want to get into your book. Um, cause, you know, we're running short on time a little bit here, but um, you have uh, the books coming out soon called Seven Doors In, correct? That is correct. Can you give us I a I am going to walk the reader through those seven doors and into my classroom. 
and it doors. is my hope. Wait, wait, don't when, skip over the title. Wait a minute, don't skip over the title. I mean, seven doors. I mean, what's what's the seven doors? What's the significance? There's of that? seven doors. You got to walk seven steel doors to get to the classroom. Everyone's shutting behind you on the way in, and it never bothered me. Really? Why have the people? And, and then, you know, people can ask me, how did it not bother you? But my mindset was so much on, I have to help these men see their potential. How, and I wasn't just teaching math at the prison. I was teaching math, writing, social studies. I mean, it was out of my normal area too. But I had that mindset that I have got to make a difference. Mm -hmm. I wasn't going in there looking at the men like they're, you know, this one did this or this one did that. It just didn't matter to me. But I'll tell you this. On my first day, when I first started teaching at the prison, the men were given packets and they would work on those packets and I would walk around and help them. Okay. So eventually I turned it into a school because I was there to teach. I wanted to have a school. So, but when I first started, that's the way it was. And I remember my first day, one of the men raised his hand and he asked me if I would help him on a math problem. So I went over there to help him. And I'm, we went through the problem that and I asked him to do another one. I asked him to explain it to me. And when he got done, he looked at me and he said, Miss Beth, you're not nervous. Hmm. And I looked at him and I said, why should I be nervous? And he said, because you're in here with us. I said, did I do something to harm any of you? And he said, no. And I said to him, tell me why I should be nervous. I'm just here to help you guys. Hmm. And I, could, I looked around the room and I could see all the men in the room were listening to that. And I think that was a big moment for me. But I was being honest with them. And I think they respected that. I'll be honest with you. After we close that second door, I'm going to be like, hey, listen, wait a minute. Why y'all keep shutting doors behind me? What if I need to go to the bathroom? I want you outside the car. Wait a minute. Well, I think you're going to appreciate that walk in. <laughs> That's hilarious. So the, the book is, is about your, that experience. Um, of, it's of about your... all the, the successes, the failures, becoming part of a team accountability. It's putting everything together. But I think what's most important to me is I feel I went in very with being very unbiased. And when people read the book, I want them to go in with no expectations. Also, I don't want them to say, you're going to get, you're going to learn this. You're going to learn that. You're going to learn this. No, I just want you to come into my classroom, see what happens and form your own opinion. Mm. I think that's really important. I want them to have the same mindset as I had. I didn't know anybody in prison. I had never been to a prison before that experience. So I had no idea what to expect. That's how I want everybody to read that book. I want them to walk in with me with no expectations. That's all I'm asking. Okay. And have, what happens from there? Because a lot of stuff happens in there. Do we have a tentative release <laughs> for the book? We do. I'm in the editing stages right now, working on the cover. This would be a very wild guess to say August, but that's what my hope is, to have it out in August. Okay. I should be getting a final date coming up here, though, soon. Awesome. Um, the editor is almost done editing her part, her, her share, and then there's another editor that will go through and do a second edit on it. So that's the stage I'm at right now. Awesome. I'm really and, excited for it. it it's a, it's a, sounds like it's a great... Um, you know, book and story that's going to be coming out, and you should definitely be proud of your work. Um, anyone that's out there interested in writing books, I encourage you to do it. Kareem, I know you're still working on yours. You need to make sure you finish that at some point. Um, yeah. <laughs> my only advice to everyone is that you have to write and write. Um, and, and anyone that knows me 
when I said I was writing a book, they're a little surprised because I'm one of those people that I like to read math books, but to sit down and write and just read a, a book that takes me a long time because I've never been interested in it. That's how passionate I am about this. Walking into the, that door seven changed my life. It changed my view on things. It made me realize, I guess in a way I feel how dare I not realize the life some people have. Like out of sight, out of mind, I guess. And I want to change that. I want to make a difference. And I believe I can. I believe this book is my first voice to be a diff to make a difference in people's lives. Now, on our podcast, we like to have a little bit of fun. But before I get that, I want to ask <laughs> one more question, um, serious question. Um, I'm a first year teacher. Um, you're my mentor. What are some words of, of advice you would give to a first year teacher in general? I would tell them to relax for one thing. And go in and get to know your students. Really, truly get to know your students. Sit down and talk to them. Earn their respect like they're going to earn your respect. Try to be upbeat whenever possible. And just know that kids have problems and their problems seem like, to them, is the worst thing in the world. We need to be able to relate to these kids. We need to take time for kids. If you read in my, and I'm going to go, can I just, I want to say one other thing. If you would have, if you go to my blog site, sevendoorsin.com, I speak in there about a student or a, a man that I had met at the prison and he had done something special for my, for my family, which you'll hear about in the book. But one, I remember seeing him one day, he was so upbeat and happy, but the next time I saw him, he was in a wheelchair and I saw him down at the end of the hall and I just waved to him and I didn't go down and talk to him. Two weeks later, I heard he was in the infirmary and he was dying. So I went to visit him. And when I went to visit him, he couldn't speak anymore. It was too late. So everything I should have said to him sooner, I didn't get that opportunity to say it to him because it was too late. He passed away that night. Hmm. But I, I just think that sometimes we need to pay attention as teachers. I realize we're not counselors, but when you get to working with kids, you get to really know them. If something's off, you'll feel it. And in this world, we need to feel it. We need to take time for kids. You know, the learning will come. I do not think take, teaching math is difficult. It's that rapport with the kids that is number one. Once you have that rapport, the teaching will come easy. That's my, my feelings. And the website um, for your blog is the number seven doors in.com? Yep, seven doors in.com. Now, Kareem, I seen your your pen moving over there. You got some additional questions. I've, I've just been taking notes, you know, and everything that she's saying is, you know, things that we have been, you know, just discussing over, you know, this is our fourth season now. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, you know, odd to hear that no matter where, you know, our guests are coming from, but the same message is being repeated over and over again, that the importance of building a rapport, the importance of building trust, the importance of, of knowing what your why is and just being able to make connections. Um, that seems to be the common theme and in, in having success with people, not just students, but just success with people. And, and I think that, that whole, uh, that the whole thing of just taking time, taking time out for people is so important because I lost my father last June. I mean, so, you know, you came down and everything, um, you know, but I actually had time to be able to say everything I wanted to say to him. So 
when that day came, you know, although I was hurt, it didn't surprise me because I was ready for it. It gave me time to prepare. He actually gave me enough time to where as though that I can actually deal with it. And every day is not easier because I do miss my guy. But at the same time, you know, taking time out for people because you never know what tomorrow's going to bring. You mm-hmm. never know when someone glad may take their last breath. And you're going to be disappointed because you didn't have the opportunity to take that time to say what needs to be said. Absolutely. And, and now is a perfect time for you to, to reach out to those people who you have not talked to um, in a long time because, uh, you know, you're 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 all quarantined pretty much. And, you know, mm-hmm. the opportunity to reach out to those people. Um, so make sure you take that time now to, to, you know, redevelop those relationships and to reach out to those people and say the things that you um, never had a chance to say. That's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, also, from a business standpoint, now is the time to create your opportunity too. Um, you know, mm-hmm. analyze what's going on, um, analyze your skill set, do some self-assessment work, um, find your gift because we believe that everyone has a gift that mm-hmm. God has given them. That you know, you just need to fit, find the vehicle to to operate it in. Now is the time for you to to create those opportunities and to really do do some of the groundwork. So when things do get back to normal, mm-hmm. you can connect with people and you can you know build. Uh, start building your legacy. At the end of the day, that's what you know, you're going to be working on doing. And I think every every guest that we have on, um, you know, they tell a similar story and, they, and they're building their legacy and they're working with people. And that's what we're about here with the Empowerment Perspective is that we're trying to help you in any form, fashion that we can. Um, whatever platform we have, you know, you feel like you have a story or a need, we're open arms and we try to do that. We're just asking other people to do that for uh, others as well. Um, so we're going to make a little transition now, Beth. And I didn't tell you about this part here, but um, I'll let you ask something else, Kareem. Are you good? Oh, uh, yeah. No, well, we're his thing. 2019, it was all about an embracing, you know, your, your pettiness. So before we even start, Beth, I need to know rather not on, um, rather not if you're petty or do we need to do an assessment to find out if you're petty? Because you're a math teacher. So you have to, to be petty. I am not petty. See now, here's here's how I know that you are because you're a math teacher. You're you're, you're the teacher. I'm not your normal math teacher, Mr. Spence. I'm not. You Mr. never know what, what's going to happen when you walk in Mrs. Deacon's room. I could be on the I could be on the chair dancing and singing to the kids. So more like so, the math song, but now I have to show that work. <laughs> Actually, can I tell you? I create work. I don't create answers. I want to hear, I want kids to show me how they get answers and I want to learn from them because sometimes they have better ways of doing stuff than I do. So what Wait, they just so have, they in their mind. Like they, I'm doing math in my mind. <laughs> math. I'm not about you. You're saying that showing your work is petty. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I want to see my work, Ms. Deegan. I, I did my work. <laughs> Can I tell you though, and I do have some yeah. students like that and sometimes talking to them is a way to do a test. Mm-hmm. And just getting them to tell me what's in that mind. Just talk to me. Let's just do the problem. You talk to me. Well, I'll grade it like that. I'm okay. open. So they, 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 like they do a division problem. Like it's multi-step, right? And they don't say that word. They be like, yeah, the answer's three. And you're like, well, how'd you get it? They can't tell you because they're not a snitch. They can't say that Raheem gave it to me. They got to say, you know what? I just know the answer is three. <laughs> I, I haven't. I always find a way to get them to say something to me. Hmm. Even so if it's own, so even so if you it, have confidential informants. What was that? You have confidential informants inside the prison. I have very much confidence, and I, I well, after teaching for twenty eight years, don't you think I should? 
You guys, I've heard it all. Don't worry. I've heard it all. I've got no ways around everything. But my biggest thing is getting kids out there talking. I want them to talk to me. I don't care what's in their head. I want to hear it. I prefer to be about math, but. I don't know. I don't know. My assessment is going to be funny. Put me on the spot. Put me on the spot. I don't mind. That's all well, Beth, we definitely thank you for your time. Um, and the you guys are awesome. Wonderful things that you, you're doing out there in the Midwest. And um, hopefully we'll make our way back out to the Midwest. We were just out there. Come visit us. Yeah, absolutely. We'll definitely love to do that. We didn't quite make it all the way out to Iowa. I think we stopped in Chicago as our last stop. But um, mm -hmm. definitely. You know, uh, there's wonderful people in Iowa. I'm telling you, you'll be, feel like you're part of our community. We we include you. from Once you come here, you never leave. You're always included. Oh, that's, that's, that's scary. I'm serious. Like, we show a lot of love out here in Iowa. We show a lot of see, love. That's, that's scary, too. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to go That's funny. One more time, uh, Beth, plug your website and your book, please. Sevendoorsin.com, and it's the number seven. And my book is also Seven Doors In. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Mr. Sevendoorsin.com. Any last petty words from you? Be kind. Oh, Be kind yes. to people and believe in people. And you will not, if you take a, just pick one person that's having a hard time and believe in them and help them. And when you see them succeed, it's going to be the best gift you could receive yourself. So just get out there and help people. Spence. 2020, you gotta have that 2020 vision. You gotta see things before they happen. Like I said, I got a haircut last week and I told my barber, they're gonna shut it down. She didn't believe me. She's like, no, you're not. Yeah, they are. So we actually <laughs> have to start seeing things before they happen. So you actually, you know, have to pay attention to what's going on in the world and not just ignore what's going on in your house, but pay attention to what's going on in the world because, you know, like Beth said, people are hurting. And as educators, we need to be that voice of reason to be able to plant seeds and, and give that, that sense of hope that things can get back to where they need to be. In everyone's life. Awesome. Just some housekeeping. Just some housekeeping things on our end from the Parliament Perspective Group. Um, the website is currently down. I'm making some changes to it, um, but we do have more podcasts that will be coming out. Um, I believe the next one we are be talking to um, someone who's writing a book on mentorship and how important uh, being a mentor is. Um, we're going to talk to Coach Demetrius Poles, Rowan University women's basketball coach, um, talking about how to build systems within your organization. Uh, we're also going to bring back um, our fitness guru. Um, Nicole's going to give you some in-home uh, exercises to do during this time. So we got a lot of stuff. Um, another uh, Jen Kerr, shout out to her, cancer survivor who's writing her book. So we have a lot of things that are coming our way for season four. Um, I didn't want to focus too much on the situation that's going, going currently going on, but we, people still need information, and and we're going to make it through these current times. And um, like you know, we always say here, the Empowerment Perspective Group, stay empowered.